Hello, everybody. Jace here. Quick message before we get to the main episode. Uh, you know, I try not to get too political on the show. Maybe if that's something that really interests the guest, we might get into a little bit of politics, but mostly we're here to just celebrate comics. But uh, I can't ignore what's going on in the world, specifically the Russian invasion of the Ukraine. So uh, on our Twitter, pinned as the tweet, is a link to UNICEF which is an organization that focuses on uh, areas of the world where there is a lot of strife, war going on. Specifically, they try to provide clean water, medical care, and other uh, essential needs specifically for children and families. So regardless of which side of the fence you're on, whether or not you believe that one side or the other is right or wrong, uh, we can all agree that children and their families shouldn't be suffering for the choices that their leaders are making. So please, if you have a few dollars, uh, every little bit helps. You can go to unicef.org, that's U-N-I-C-E-F dot O-R-G, and just look for the Ukraine appeal. Click there, or you can go to the Comic Source Twitter account, and the link is there for you to donate. So uh, again, appreciate the support, everybody, and I uh, hope you're all being safe out there. Welcome to another episode of The Comic Source. I'm your host, Jace. This is a Spawn Daily episode. First of all, I want to apologize. I haven't put out a Spawn Daily in like a week, so we got a lot of catching up to do. Just had a super, super busy week with work, plus I got a bunch of new equipment in, and I wanted to record last weekend, but unfortunately, I had to get a whole new setup for my computer, which, you know, if you've ever done that, had to take everything down and put it back up, it always takes longer than you think. And even though you think you plug the cables back in right, there's always something that's not plugged in quite right. And, you know, between all the equipment I have from my IT job, plus all my sound equipment for the podcasts and cameras and whatnot. Yeah, it was the thing. So uh, setup is great. New setup is fantastic, but it took a little time. And like I said, day job and whatnot. So uh, Blake and I, Blake Whitlow, who put together the amazing Spawn reading order that we're using to celebrate 30 years of Spawn and go through and read um, all of the uh, Spawn issues as well as some tangential miniseries. He will be joining me this weekend. We're going to hopefully record a huge amount of episodes. So if there's ever a hiccup like this again in the future, we'll have content to put out. So again, I, I apologize. It certainly wasn't my intention or my wish to skip that many days because again, we're, we're behind and now I'm going to be playing catch up. Plus at the end of the month, or beginning of next month, I should say, April 1st through the 3rd, I'll be in Anaheim, California for WonderCon, and that might put me a little behind as well. So uh, I want to get ahead, so I have plenty of episodes to schedule that are already in the can and recorded when I'm out of town. So that being said, uh, the final, kind of the final thing, I guess, that really made it difficult to, to record or more difficult is this Curse of Spawn number 11 that we're going to talk about today. And the fact of the matter is this three-issue Curse of the Spawn, Angela-focused series just is not my cup of tea. I've never been a big fan of Angela. 
And although the art in this is fantastic, the story is like big and epic, but I, I feel like maybe it's me. I, I'm just not understanding what's going on in terms of any kind of real answers. They leave a lot of stuff ambiguous. And I got to think that they're doing that because, again, you're in Spawn, in the Spawn universe at this time. They're still building mythology out, even though we're almost four or five years in at this point. But, you know, it's you're like I said, still building things out. And, and Angela certainly is not as fleshed out as, you know, Al Simmons and some of the other characters at, at this point. So, you know, maybe you want to leave some stuff on the uh, on the table to come back to later on. And maybe you get to it and maybe you don't. But when you're going back and reading, rereading this it again, it, you know, with the stuff that's fleshed out that pays off, you get a different feeling. And with this. Yeah, it just didn't it didn't resonate for me. So all that being said, let me go ahead and, and share my screen and we'll dive into the issue. So it's got a really cool Dwayne Turner cover, very similar in um, in how it looks compared to the uh, the you know the previous three covers. They they certainly all have uh, the same sort of feel, very white, very light colored, which you know suits a uh, former angel, I guess you'd say. Uh, who Angela is. So we look inside the front cover of the stories by Alan McElroy, as most of the Curse of Spawn is. I think maybe all of it even written by him. Dwayne Turner handles the pencils, as I said, Danny Mickey on inks. We have lettering by Tom Orzakowski, colors by Todd Broker and Mark Nichols with a special thanks to John Gordon. And we get the recap there, which I'll, I'll read because I know it's been about a week since we've talked, uh, maybe even longer than that, since we've talked uh, about the first two parts of this story. So uh, we know Angela was sent to this planet. Uh, this being called the Argus, this sort of pure evil, supposedly was uh, attacking the planet and eating all the souls and whatnot. So Angela was hired to go and destroy it. The uh, Argus had this thing called the Kron, which exploded and threatened to destroy uh, the universe, destroy reality. So we're told here that the Argus uh, explodes, activating the Kron and releasing Angela, who had been caught in the, uh, the Argus's web. She was thrown into the foyer of Oblivion, so like the beginning of uh, Oblivion. And we also saw throughout the first two issues, this mysterious Durgis character, who's sort of a harbinger of death in a lot of ways. And he watched Angela flash back to her early time in the Elysium, the City of Angels, and the Hall of Light, where she was trained by her mentor, an angel called Catherine. And she also got to meet the old woman who is a representation of God in the story. And Angela was prepared for her journey to earth during the, these flashbacks to stop this eternal triumvirate from fracturing, right? The, which is an interesting way to look at like internal triumvirate, you know, three, you automatically think of like the, the Christian God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. But regardless of that, she when she got to Earth, she went to Rat City. She tried to get Spawn's help. Spawn was kind of giving her a bad time, didn't really want to have much to do with her, didn't really want to give her much help. We saw at that moment this huge antimatter bolt come down and destroy the building, the Elysium Embassy on Earth, where um, the decisions made by the, the Army of Heaven or Forces of Heaven uh, on Earth are all handled. And uh, that bolt of anti-life energy also hit um, Spawn and hit Angela, and it, it transported Angela away, and it made Spawn kind of drunk with power. And the last time we talked, we saw that Spawn 
perhaps because of this bolt of antimatter. And again, we're not sure, but uh, cliffhanger ending where Spawn looks like Al Simmons again. Uh, his his appearance has been restored. So we'll get to that in the next episode when we talk about the next issue of, of Spawn. But for this one, we see Angela flying through space, I guess you'd say, the antimatter. It, it looked like she just disappeared, but here we see her flying and she's talking about how there's all these electrical storms and she's being pulled through and she's worried that it's going to be kind of painful for her. So as she's traveling again, a flashback, a lot of flashbacks, you know, in the first part of the story, issue nine of Curse of Spawn, we got the origin of Angela, how she's uh, sort of the amalgamation of five different souls of women throughout time who have been killed unjustly. So here we see her finish her training, get all her permits from Catherine and then go before um, the assembled warriors of heaven. And you see her there. She's very touched as she's given the staff and uh, all the forces of heaven cheer her. They welcome her with a single voice, a voice of love, faith, and future, we're told. So finally, uh, Angela comes kind of back to herself, I guess you'll say. And she's in Limbo's core. She's on this planet. It's very cold. Uh, she says the capital city prison cataclysm, it's called, looks to be destroyed and deserted. So she's not sure where the the, the souls that go to limbo. Um, and, and for those not familiar, this is uh, sort of the traditional Christian limbo in a way, you know, limbo being that place. It's not heaven. It's not hell. And if you weren't really, really good in life or really, really bad, you go to limbo and sometimes you have to spend some time there and then they will allow you into heaven. If they're not sure where to put you, basically, you go to limbo and you kind of just hang out there for a little while while you plead your case, I guess you could say. So while Angela's there, she runs into an old friend, uh, Caliandra, who's another angel, serves as kind of a lawyer <laughs> at times. And uh, she's got these people there with her and Angela calls them. Grapes of Wrath rejects. They definitely look kind of kind of run down and old, but they're basically people that died in a, a tornado. A tornado hit their trailer park and the, the man is in limbo because they're not sure where he belongs. So um, very similar to, to what I was saying. And um, they were actually all th all four of these people. I use the word people loosely. All four of these beings, I guess I should say, were in the Elysium Embassy on Earth when that antimatter struck and they were able to uh, escape into limbo. So Angela senses evil around and she uh, does what she does best, which is, you know, protect the innocent and uh, fight and attack. So you can see that double page spread there where she's fighting against these forces of evil that really shouldn't be there uh, on limbo. She's not sure why they're they why they are there. They're obviously a threat. And so once she finishes defeating the, uh, these demonoids, they head for shelter in the only place that's around, even though it, it doesn't exactly look welcoming, I guess you'll say, uh, this, this cataclysm prison citadel. So they head in there and they see all the other um, inhabitants of Limbo have all been killed as well. Um, it looks like there's a, there's a recent outbreak as well. It looks like some of the, the prisoners... Uh, must have gotten loose because some of the sentries, some of the guards for the people that were prison in limbo have been killed as well. And uh, as Angela and, and her companions are looking around, another former angel shows up, somebody who was in prison in limbo. Uh, we're not exactly sure why. Her name is Lilith, 
but she calls herself Angela's sister. And I don't know if it's uh, just the way, you know, angels, female, these female angels that we've met before call themselves sisters, or if she has an even closer connection to Angela, because she looks a lot like Angela in a lot of ways. She's got the red hair, although it's cut very, very short. And uh, along with Lilith, because Angela says, who, you know, who let you out of your cage? She goes, oh, funny, you should ask. I think you've met my date for the evening and it's Durgis. And not only is it Durgis, but they have what is known as the Elysian lock. And it's basically a time uh, keeping device and it's very rare. And it's in a lot of ways, it's the, the goodness, the soul of an angel, the goodness that's inside them. That's what it symbolizes in kind of this metaphorical uh, form. And obviously you know, angels are very long lived. So the whole idea of this, this lock or this, you know, um, hourglass that, that kind of never runs out of time. And so when Angela sees that, you know, she knows it's a very powerful artifact. She doesn't like seeing it in the hands of uh, the Durgis. And so right away, she knows Lilith must be up to no good. She starts battling him. The Durgis says, ah, you know, you shouldn't be fighting. The time for fighting is over. And, it, you know, Angela's not really listening to him in in any way shape or form and again this is where some of the the vagueness comes in this elysium lock is not really explained other than it's a powerful artifact and you know what i've already said about it but why why is the dirt just trying to keep them from fighting we don't know because angela goes in guns blazing in a lot of ways so um when Angela attacks the roof sort of a collapse, you know, it's not a very stable structure at this point from the, the previous battles. So with the time that's granted from the roof kind of collapsing and separating Angela from Durgis and Lilith, uh, Angela makes a, a gateway and she allows Calindra and the, uh, the family Custers uh, to leave, to go to Elysium. And Angela says, give uh, every, anybody who's there, give them a message that um, Lilith is loose and she has the Elysium lock. And I'm going to try to get it back and also tell them that there's this other person, this this man or this thing, Durgis, you know, that, that seems to be like the herald of death. Um, and, you know, it's something to be concerned about. So uh, once those beings are out of harm's way, Angela heads outside. She doesn't get very far before she's attacked by Lilith. Uh, again, a pretty brutal battle between the two. And uh, as they're fighting, the uh, the Argus shows up. And again, this is what's interesting. Even in the face of the Argus, Lilith is not going to join forces with Angela. She's not going to, um, you know, stop what she's doing. And again, this is where the ambigu ambiguity of the story kind of bugs me a little bit. Not really sure, like, what, so what's up with Lilith? Why does she dislike Angela so much? What, it, she's obviously not working with the Argus, but she she sort of lets herself be taken by the Argus and it doesn't seem like she, I mean, maybe the Argus is just so powerful that she can't fight back, but it's like Angela is able to defeat the Argus. And you'll see that here in a second. And Lilith was kind of standing toe to toe with Angela. So I don't know. It almost seems like Lilith allows herself to be eaten by the Argus, which is brutal. Um, and Lilith is talking about, you know, killing me and we'll bury the truth. You're damned. You'll know it soon enough. She's giving all these hints that, Angela is not necessarily who she she thinks she is, but yeah, uh, Lilith is killed and Angela lashes out. Um, she destroys the uh, Elysium lock because it's it's too dangerous to fall into the wrong hand. So she throws it 
it explodes and kind of releases all its energy. Uh, we're not sure what the consequences of that would be and, and not sure if the explosion of the Argus somehow weakened the Argus uh, or the explosion of the uh, Elysium lock weakened the Argus in some way. Um, perhaps it did. Perhaps that's why she's able to uh, basically hack the Argus to pieces when she was having so much trouble fighting, fighting it earlier. So we're told that she cleaves it in two and she hacks away limb after limb, you know, very much looks like the spider-like creature, eight legs and whatnot. Uh, and as the Argus dies and screams, it exudes billions of ectoplasmic grub worms, we're told, uh, and that they, they die once they're exposed to air. And it's just this massive goo. And uh, the, kind of as a, a final disgusting uh, view here of Lilith, we see as she's exposed from Angela cutting up the Argus, she's already been digested by the Argus because all that's left is her skeleton, although you, she can still talk. She's like, see you around, and she disappears. So she's clearly not dead. I and mean, we know it's just uh, these bodies the angels have are just necroplasm, so I'm sure she can regenerate and whatnot. So at that moment, there's uh, a couple of angels that show up. Obviously, they got the, uh, the message from Kalindra, and they show up and they say, okay, you know, what happened? <laughs> you know, what's going on? Uh, half the known dimensions have been shaken up like a cheap snow globe, and Angela says, well, we have a new enemy. Uh, he's been around a long, long time, and I'm going to take him out. She you know, vows to, to take him down. She says, hear me. I'm not afraid anymore, Durgis. You want to fight? You know, name the place. This isn't over. I swear on my soul. So Angela's thinking is Durgis is behind all this manipulation, all this puppet mastery or what have you. But that's it. That's the end of the story. So. Again, I, I kind of struggle to find meaning or, you know, why this matters. So, you know, just to recap, Angela gets hired to try to protect the planet. She fails in doing that and gets captured by this evil being called the Argus. All the while, this other being who seems to be some harbinger of death shows up wherever death is called Durgis is there watching. This Durgis figure had been at the death, again, just watching, had been at the moment of death for all five of the souls that eventually combine to become Angela. Um, so Angela is captured by the Durgis. The Durgis, you know, gains enough power from eating this planet to activate something called the Kron, which explodes and th threatens all of reality. And Angela is thrown, you know, because of this antimatter blast thrown through time and space ends up on earth while she's traveling to earth. She has these flashbacks of, you know, her origins and her training to become the primary warrior of heaven at Elysium. Angela arrives on earth, asks Spawn for help in fighting the Argus and trying to prevent the Kron from destroying all of reality. Antimatter blast hits the Elysium embassy on earth, hits Angela, hits Spawn. Angela ends up in limbo. She fights the Argus. She defeats it. No mention is made of the Kron really in this issue. So by defeating the Argus, uh, Angela has saved reality, I guess. And we also are introduced something called the, um, the uh, Elysian lock, which holds all of uh, an angel's time. It was never clear to me. It's like, so Lilith has this. Does it contain the, t the time that she has left? Does it contain all the angel's time? I mean, it seems like it must contain all the The time that all the angels uh, cumulatively cumulatively have left and so it's a powerful artifact in that way but what exactly can it do if it's in the wrong hands again don't know don't know what Lilith's plans are 
it's not really ever explained other than she hates Angela and wants to fight her. Uh, Angela doesn't want the Elysian lock to fall into the clutches of the Argus. So she throws it at the Argus and it explodes. Uh, the lock, it's crazy, dangerous. Any self-respecting, emotional thinking ex-angel wouldn't try it. So here goes and she explodes it and then takes out the Argus. Again, I'm just, I'm not sure what the point of this story is. Um, so I don't know, maybe I'm missing something. Maybe when Blake comes in, we'll, we'll chat about it real quick uh, before the next, we dive into the next issue. But yeah, again, may, maybe it's me. Maybe I'm, I'm missing something. So it, it, the art is fantastic. That's the saving grace for this series. I don't really understand what's going on. Maybe, again, it's just foundational stuff that never got a chance to be fleshed out. Maybe it does get fleshed out later and, and make more sense. Uh, but I went looking for some context um, on a few different like spawn message boards and what have you uh, and resources, and I couldn't really find much. So maybe it's just one of those things. Hey, just enjoy it for what it is, which is some really cool fights and some really great art from Angela. But at the end of the day, Mm, I don't know. It didn't really, didn't really land for me. I imagine if you're a big Angela fan, you probably love seeing how important she is, how powerful she is, all this big cosmic battle. Um, and I, you know, I, like I said, I love the art, but for me, a lot of these terms that are being used here just feel, you know, kind of made up and not explained. And so it makes it, I just don't have the context for it. So Again, not definitely not the worst comic I've ever read, but I feel like I'm missing something to the story. But again, it's probably me. Maybe you, uh, your mileage may vary and you may enjoy it uh, a lot. So anyway, that's going to do it for this episode. Again, apologies for missing so many days in a row. Won't happen again. We're trying to get ahead. Uh, I would love nothing better to, than to release uh, a few episodes, you know, multiple episodes uh, a few days of the week to try to get caught up and get back on schedule. So hopefully we'll see how that all plays out as the year continues, but we really appreciate you guys listening. Appreciate you joining as always uh, again, back to some regular spawn issues. Like I think four in a row, I think we do 63, 64, 65, and 66 for the next four episodes. So again, encourage you to go check out the show notes, check out that reading order that Blake Whitlow's put together. It's uh, a fascinating and a uh, very useful resource for um for how to read spawn and how to, to get the most out of the, the regular series, as well as all these uh, uh, other series that tie in. So that's going to do it for this episode, everybody. We appreciate you joining us as always, and we'll talk to you next time. You can find the comic source podcast on Spotify, Apple podcast, Stitcher, Google play, or whichever podcasting app you prefer. Please tell all your friends about us, subscribe and rate us. The ratings really help with our visibility and our ability to reach new listeners, especially five-star reviews on Apple. Also be sure to visit us at lrmonline.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover all our other great pop culture content. If you want to email us, the email address is thecomicsourceblog at gmail.com, or you can follow us on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash thecomicsource. Do a search for The Comic Source on Facebook and Instagram to follow us on those social platforms. All three spots are great places to find out when we release new episodes as well as follow all our convention coverage. So once again, we want to thank everyone for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.